0: me. Yeah, well,
1: don't forget, it's you, we're looking at, you're looking at everybody
0: else, not yourself. (laughs) (laughs)
1: morning. Can I give you all a very warm welcome? Thank you for joining us for our 9.30 service at Bryant Road this morning. Welcome to those of you who are joining us on Zoom and then a special welcome to Ray and Kitty and their family who have joined us and will be talking about their work in Afghanistan in a few moments. May God bless you as you join us here. Thank you for coming. Our call to worship is taken from Psalm 86. Well, actually, There's a prayer to lead us into worship. Can I invite you just to spend a moment uh, reflecting on that prayer and making it your own uh, before we come to our call to worship? God does indeed meet us here today. He welcomes you into his presence. We use some words from Psalm 86. I invite you to respond by saying together the words in yellow. (coughs) Listen to me, Lord, and answer me, for I am helpless and weak. Make your servant glad, O Lord, because my prayers go up to you. You are good to us and forgiving, full of constant love for all, who pray to you. Listen, Lord, to my prayer. Hear my cries for help. I call to you in times of trouble because you answer my prayers. There is no God like you, O oh Lord. Not one has done what you have done. All the nations that you have created will come and bow down to you. They will praise your greatness. You are mighty and do wonderful things. You alone are God. So can I invite you to stand and sing quietly behind your masks, please. My Jesus, my Saviour, Lord, there is none like you.
0: Jesus I the work of your hands Forever alone and forever not set Nothing compares to the promise I have in you My Jesus Joy at the work of your forever, I'll love you. forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I
1: have in you. Lord, you are faithful to your promises because you are good and trustworthy and merciful and loving. We bring you our praise for all that you are, all that you mean to us and all that we mean to you. We bless you, God of creation and salvation and Lord of the earth. Amen. And we sing, you are the Lord, you are glorious.
0: And we sing, you are the Lord, you are glorious.
1: For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Thy kingdom come, we've prayed. And God's kingdom comes as he sends his spirit down upon his people. When Jesus breathes on his disciples at the end of John's Gospel, and invites them to receive the Spirit, he says to them, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. The Spirit comes down and sends us out in Jesus' name. Think of it like atmospheric pressure. Meteorologists tell us that as air descends towards the earth, that creates high pressure. And that's the weather we like. That's calm, settled, sunny weather. Yet air naturally wants to move from areas of high pressure to areas of low pressure. That's why you get the winds blowing round the world. It's the same as the spirit descends. As the spirit comes down, on god's people that creates an area of high spiritual pressure if you like and we enjoy the sense of being in god's presence knowing his favor basking in his love but the spirit always yearns to go where the spiritual pressure is low to go to those parts of the world where god's kingdom is not evident not manifest not seen that's why when the spirit comes down upon us to rest upon us within the four walls but to send us out to send us to places we pray for to be an answer to our prayers as we pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven the spirit comes upon us as we pray and sends us out into the world to those places where the pressure is low to be part of manifesting and bringing God's kingdom there. We're thinking about Nehemiah at the moment, rebuilding the ruined walls of Jerusalem, how he was in a, in a cushy job in, in the capital city in Babylonia, Susa, 800 miles away. Quite comfortable, thank you very much. But the Spirit of God placed a burden on his heart for the plight of his people. He spent weeks mourning and fasting and praying. And then there was that sense that today, today was the day when God was calling him to do something, not just pray. So we're going to listen to Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I hadn't been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. (laughs) I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, what is it you want? Of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, And if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried, so I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me. So I set a time. And I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, So he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. We stand to sing, Hero Lord could save themselves. the Apostle Paul, traveling around the Mediterranean world, sent by the Spirit of God, he says in 2 Corinthians that he was controlled by the love of Christ. Because he had this sense that Christ had died for everyone. That meant everyone had died, everybody needed redeeming from death. That was why God sent his Son, that's why the Spirit of God sent Paul to preach the Gospel throughout the known world. Thank Kitty. we welcome you here this morning. God sent you as a family to Afghanistan and my guess that God placed within your hearts a deep love for the people there that hasn't gone away even though you've come to the UK now. Please share your story with us and may God richly bless you as you do so.
2: Okay, so it's a great pleasure to be with you all this morning and wonderful to actually sing in church again first service that we've been able to do that at so yeah let's keep praying that things that freedoms will come um this talk is a combination of an update from the last time that we were with you and of the last particularly last few months that we've had back in Afghanistan Um, and then we'll move on to a time more of reflections of our time in Afghanistan over the years that we've been been there. Um, So, um, just to open... Where do I point it? Oh, there we are. Um, What were we doing in Afghanistan all those years? Well, we hope that it is somewhat summed up in this passage... Um, we were reading it recently and Ray said, yeah, this is Integral Mission in a nutshell. And when we were here last time, we talked with you rather more about the Integral Mission that we'd been doing through the development agency that we were working with. Uh, it was totally motivated by the love of Jesus and to t- showing people Jesus' love and speaking Jesus' love in whatever way was appropriate whenever the opportunity arose. Paul here is telling the people of Corinth. That they themselves, the living, worshipping community, are the reference available to others who want to know more about God. It's the lives they live, it's the people that they are. And we don't think that we're overextending this analogy to say that we have been a physically present letter of love from you, the church in the UK, to many people in Afghanistan like the corinthians we have been real we are finite and fallible, but we have been trying to follow jesus we have been trying to be obedient to him and to be open to god's kingdom restoration work in his country amongst the people that he loves so thank you for what you have enabled us to do what we're sharing with you today is very much in part your story We couldn't have done the things that we have done or just even remained as a living, loving presence if we hadn't known your support in prayer, your encouragement, and your financial support to BMS. (laughs) Um, Just to give you a brief update, so we went back. Um, to Afghanistan in early September of last year after having evacuated because of the, the COVID crisis and not knowing how that would play out in Afghanistan combined with the security situation that was there at that time. Um, and since we returned, we've been really fortunate that Robin and Tom have both had a very full and rewarding school year. They have had COVID restrictions. They, we have had a couple of weeks where all, the whole school was... Um, schooling on online from home but generally they've had a much more normal year than most of the kids back back here in the uk and around much of the world for which we've been very thankful here they are on a school trip to um look at a traditional water-powered flour mill um and so the school they, they were able to do things um you can see Robin and Tom here today. So I don't need to point, out, point them out to you, especially since I hadn't realized when I put this together, but Tom has some, somewhat hidden in this picture. Um, so they've had a full year. They've also been able to carry on with some extra school activities like doing sports clubs with, with um, um, other kids and learning music. Uh, but Robin has been doing all of her schooling online. And this is the way that her secondary schooling would have continued And it's pretty lonely when you're not even doing Zoom calls, but you're just answering questions on the computer and you get responses back from the teacher. So um, around Christmas time, we had decided, you know, what, this isn't viable for Robin's long term future. Um, And then Tom's following on. And now's the time to come back to England and get stable. And in Afghanistan, for when girls get become teenagers, their lives sort of do this, they narrow down, Um, their opportunities decrease, um, they're expected to be in the home a lot more and expected to uphold the family honor a lot more. Whereas of course, in our culture, as kids become teenagers, their lives branch outward. And um, we felt that was right for Robin. So here we are, Um, but yeah, I'll hand over to Ray now to give an update on the work that he's been doing.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, I just want to start by saying it's such a, a joy for us to be with you again. It's been two years. Uh, before I forget, I want to mention that we have brought some BMS literature with us today, and I put it over here on the table with the offering basket. So please take a magazine, a uh, magazine. There are two different kinds there. There's a Catalyst magazine, which is a little bit more heady. And then there's the Engage magazine, which both of those have good uh, stories and information about what BMS is doing around the world. Uh, So last time we were here, I spoke a little bit about the the work we were doing. I just want to talk a little bit about it again, just to remind you, the context of this project that we started in 2018, is that we we're working with IDPs, internally displaced people. They have uh, very low literacy rates, and they're from small villages. They've come from Faria province, which is 300 kilometers away. They uh, It's rural, uh, agrarian, uh, <clears throat> so very small farms. And they come to the city, and they usually need assistance to find out how to live in a metropolitan area. This city that we lived in is 700,000 people. A lot of them have been traumatized by uh, family members being killed. And so these are some of the activities that we're doing. This is a picture of uh, uh, some of our agricultural work. Uh, we, we build greenhouses, teach people how to make them and uh, small kitchen gardens that they're growing in the winter months inside the greenhouses and then in the summer months outside. We're helping women to start businesses like, uh, and I'll talk more about that in a minute, small-scale food production. And we also have, offer health courses for men and women, among other things, like self-help groups for, for ladies. So one uh, activity that we just did this last year is that our we have four staff. Our two female staff, uh, after... A period of time, they thought they had enough trust to bring up the subject of uh, <clears throat> women's mes- menstruation. This is a cultural barrier. This is something that women and girls, all females in Afghanistan, they just don't talk about it because it's shameful. All the things surrounding that is something that they just don't want to talk about. So <clears throat> our our ladies talked about it with them. They introduced the topic and decided to start a a small project where they're making washable sanitary pads and to discuss all the hygienic practices surrounding this. I, uh, I mentioned the agricultural projects that we're doing. It's a barren desert climate. And I was very surprised to find out the land is arable um, and so in these small plots, they're able to uh, grow vegetables and melons, and it's all watered with groundwater that they're pumping up from very, very deep, over 100 meters deep. <clears throat> I mentioned the uh, women's, the, the help with the ladies that we're doing. We are, are providing large bags, they're about this tall, of raw wool, And they take the wool and with their hands and with simple wooden uh, tools, they're spinning the wool into yarn. So here we see uh, balls of yarn that they've spun. They then take that to the market and sell it. And they either buy more raw wool or they're sometimes buying animals like goats and sheep, which is providing more income for their families. We went to a pasta factory in our city. Uh, this is a large one, uh, to consult with them about how we could do this, uh, how the ladies could do this on a much smaller scale. So this is a picture of the factory where we see uh, pasta hanging and drying here. And this is a picture of a health class for boys. And you'll notice the, the brown walls. Those are bare mud. They make those with mud and straw And this room, which is uh, five meters long, three meters wide, is a typical room for a family of about 10 people. As you're probably aware, Afghan families are large. They have uh, lots of kids. And sometimes the kids survive to adulthood, and sometimes they don't. I'm going to turn it back over to Kitty, and she's going to talk about her work.
2: I've had a really busy year working in the personnel um, with recruitment and seeing our organization continue despite COVID. Uh, One thing I particularly want to talk to you about is as part of leadership, I'm responsible for helping our organization, all of our projects to embed these values that you can see on the screen um, and embed them at all levels of our organization. Uh, The first one, Dependence on God is an example of why I really enjoy it, because it gives us an opportunity or a common language to share and discuss how God impacts our work, how God motivates our work and our life. And as we work together with our colleagues, what do we mean in reality when we say we value dependence on God? For instance, how do we incorporate that into our planning? How, When do we pray? And the Christian and Muslim understanding of what it means to depend on God varies quite a lot, and it's presented a lot of opportunities to have good discussions and to water or sow seeds. What changes do I need to make in my activities or the project activities to better show love for all? What cultural stereotypes or blinders do I have in place that mean that I, although I think I am being very loving and I'm motivated by love to go there, what's preventing that love from being shown? And some of my colleagues have really helped me see things I thought were perhaps loving or things I'd overseen um, to, um, yeah, they've helped me show how to be more loving and how to demonstrate that. So it's been it's been a busy and a good year, I would ask you to please pray, um, a lady has stepped up to do to do my role, um, but she's leaving in December and then we don't have anyone and it's it, um, where our organization is is set up the personal director is a key key membership of the leadership team. So, our ED is feeling quite lonely at the moment because he's also acting finance director. And as of January, he'll be acting personnel director, which it makes a very difficult situation for our organization. So, please do pray for our organization to have a finance director and a personnel director um, in place by the beginning of the next year. I'd like to move on to a time of, of reflections. Um, this is a photo taken from a small plane um, from the center of the country, and it's really timely to show this picture to you. It's the, uh, it's the part of the country um, where Carol worked, where the Hazara people are particularly based. They're all over the country, but particularly here, and um, they are the people, who, people group who have the most to lose if the Taliban regain a lot of power, um, there's been centuries of enmity about those two people groups. Um, So I'll hand back over to Ray for some of his reflections.
3: A lot of the work that I did starting in 2003 and up till 2017 was hydroelectric projects. We trained Afghans to build hydroelectric turbines and all the related equipment, to build it, to install it, and to maintain it. Uh, And this was all done in faraway mountain villages with falling water, uh, really excellent energy source to provide uh, electricity for people who don't have it. So this picture is of a young man that we trained to make his first turban. Uh, I'm just gonna talk a little bit about what I was thinking back in 2003 when I left my engineering job in Colorado and a series of events took place that actually brought me to Afghanistan. My motives were mixed. When i when i went there i wanted to partner with god to see afghans come to christian faith but i also was looking for adventure with purpose perhaps a not so spiritual motive but what's adventure without conflict in 2 corinthians eleven twenty six, paul writes i have been on many journeys And dangers from rivers, from robbers, from my own countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, in the wilderness, on the sea, and dangers among false brothers. Well, I don't think there's anything, any such thing as adventure without risk. There's a certain amount of, you can't really have fun without a little bit of risk. In our Kabul days, I had frequent journeys over a lot of eastern and northern Afghanistan, and most of it was by road, which isn't possible, which hasn't been possible for many years now because of the deteriorating security. In the 2000s, false Afghan brothers did a lot of damage to Afghan believers in Kabul and caused many of them to flee the country. A lot of them went to India. Ten of our friends were murdered in 2010. Two more were shot and killed in 2014. I also realized that adventure involves lockdowns, frustration, and drudgery. I think God honored my need for adventure, gave me a lot of that, but more importantly taught me that his call to obedience involves suffering. Suffering in many guises. When we embrace the life of an adventure with Christ, we must accept not only the dangers and snares, but the toils and dark times, too. In Matthew 4, we read about Jesus being led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tested by the devil. This happened immediately after the high point of his baptism, when the Spirit descended upon him and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son. And whom I am well pleased. Soon after we arrived, uh, returned to Afghanistan in 2017, we were given the task of starting a new project from scratch, something I'd never done before. Concurrently, I began to exhibit physiological and psychological symptoms that suggested that all was not well. Was it a midlife crisis? Spiritual attack, dark night of the soul, perhaps all three. I received and sought. I sought it and received the help that I needed, and after about three months, I emerged from my time, from my time in the wilderness, all the while managing to create the annual report for our partner organization and do a lot of the research for what became the Mazar Livelihoods and Development Project that I spoke about a few minutes ago. I also want to just make reference to a passage in Isaiah 57. And there are lots of them. This is just one, but... God says in Isaiah 57, I live in the high and and holy places, but also with the low-spirited the spirit crushed. And what I do is put new spirit in them, get them up and on their feet again. And it was verses like these that uh, kept me going in 2018, the first quarter of that. Um, yeah, so I just want to finish this section off by saying that I now believe that wilderness times are normative in the Christian life. And I'll turn it back over to Kitty for some of her reflections too.
2: I decided that one way to share a few reflections on my time with with God in Afghanistan is around the theme of hope. When I arrived in Afghanistan in August, 1999, after more than four years of Taliban rule, which, of course, had been, was after a devastating civil war, which had been after the invasion of the Russians, the country really seemed to be hopeless. Constant refrain I'd hear from people like taxi drivers, of what are you doing here? All the good people have left. Now, you try to refute that, um, but what they were meaning was that anybody who had any get-up-and-go, anybody who had resources, anybody who had marketable skills, had left. No one who remained had any resources left uh, available to them. Um, They had no material or emotional resources to invest in the future or to improve things. Each day for them was a matter of survival and of holding on. For most of the people, hope was very dim and at the end of a very long tunnel of hunger, anguish, monotony, desperation, grief for loved ones, and also grief for the loss of communities and loss of of a culture that they had once known. And that grief was tangible. Once I was stopped by a lady. um, I was in the bazaar, and she was wearing the burqa, as was enforced by the Taliban at that time. As a foreigner, I was required to wear a very big chada or scarf, which really was like putting on a tablecloth. It came right down to my knees. But I did have my face showing. I think it was because they wanted to know where the foreigners were and keep an eye on us. Um, But this woman came up to me. She lifted up the front of her burqa to show her lined and careworn face, yet her eyes had a light in them. And she said to me, seeing your face gives me hope. For that lady, I was quite unwittingly a sign of hope. By being present and by being obedient, God was able to use me in this really simple way. After the ousting of the Taliban, there was a huge wave of hope and excitement for the future. There was a real buzz in the country. There, it, it was. This was the result of a combination of the display of military might, technology, um, the huge eye-watering amounts of money that were poured into the country. Um, new businesses opened up, new airlines. There had been no airlines in Afghanistan uh, other than very, very, like four international flights a year for the Hajj. Um, mobile phone companies opened up. We had had no phone service at all, and suddenly we had mobile phones. And there were attempts at reconciliation. And leaders who had some degree of integrity returned, such as the former king. There was hope. The church was also very hopeful. The worldwide church, the numbers of Christians had swollen from being about 50 to being 400 in Kabul alone. It was, they were crazy days. There was a buzz and um, there was the sense of a new dawn. Unfortunately, over the years, as corruption, corruption increased and as the underestimation of the problems facing Afghanistan, the lack of comprehension by the West of the Afghan cultures, the shortcomings of the quick fixes. Remember the quick impact projects, throw a lot of money at a project, make a big difference quickly, then we'll get everybody on board. Well, everybody doesn't remain on board if the project goes wrong and they can see that millions of dollars have been wasted. The hubris of the West, of all of us, became apparent and the Afghan state began to fail. The hope for Afghanistan, this new buzz, faded and this fading has continued over several years. Now you hear on the news almost daily about the situation in the country. The peace talks, that as Lise Doucette said on the radio this morning, the peace talks were in the background, now they're in the basement. Um, The corruption is rampant and there is a huge sense of desertion, rightly or wrongly, as the West has pulled out the troops and as foreign aid is declining, has declined a huge amount. Many of our colleagues who are really good people are scared for the future and most see their only hope as being in the God of their understanding or the hope of escaping through immigration or some combination of the two. They implore God, Allah, through fasting, through begging and beseeching Him. They visit shrines in an attempt to get God onto their side, that He will take an interest on them, that He will answer their prayers. As we left, we were trying to convey a sense of hope for the future. Trying to convey a sense that God is listening, that God is still good, despite what's going on on the ground. And up here, there's verses 23 to 26 of Psalm 44. And I think it really relates to the way many people are feeling right now. Absolute desperation. But as I was reading that, I was struck by the last verse. Um, it's always dangerous to sum up what a whole people group might be might be thinking or saying, but I believe that many of my friends would have said for this very last verse of this for, of this um, psalm, "Rescue me, because I have fasted and prayed, because I've given alms, because my my motives are good. Rescue me because of the dependence I have on you, because the fervency of my supplication." Look with me on merit, O God. That is the approach that I think many of my colleagues and friends would have. And the last last line actually says, rescue us because of your unfailing love. And it's because of God's unfailing love. It's because of his goodness. It's because of his steadfastness that in any situation even one as desperate as one as it's looking like in Afghanistan right now, that we can say as the people of God, we have hope in God. So we have learned so much over the years, and we pray that we have impacted lives in many different kingdom ways over the years We've been really privileged to see life from a very different perspective, and we believe that our understanding of God and who he is has been enriched and widened greatly by this experience, and we look forward to seeing how God uses that in the future in this country. I'd like to leave you with just a few prayer points. I mentioned about the personnel needs that we have for my role and a finance director in the leadership of the organization, and then there's... um, prayers for afghanistan we're thankful that covid seems to be tailing off but it has definitely had a huge unknowable um, impact on the country in terms of death toll the peace process such as it is Um, for us more personally um, we can maintain friendships over whatsapp and various electronic mediums and we need wisdom in that Um, it's obviously different when you're not seeing people on a daily basis and please be praying for the team that we've left behind there are still five five bms people working there um and they really need your prayers in in these days so thank you very much for all you've done thank you for having us here today and uh we yeah would really like to talk with you afterwards if if you have any further questions or anything like that God bless everybody.
1: you have some yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah does anybody have
1: any questions they would like to ask at this point, please? Otherwise, we can have a conversation afterwards. If you have a question, would you like to raise your hand? Can you repeat the question once so I we can hear it?
2: How, how do we physically protect ourselves against any attack? Um, our strategy has been well, partly to, be, to not be targets, um, so very, which has been hard with the Taliban. And so the reality is we haven't been able to work in areas where we would be targets. So all of our work has been based in the north of the country um, except for some, a little bit in Kabul where we have our headquarters. Over the last um, eight years we've, so our family was based in Faisabad for a number of years and when we left, we stopped work there uh, we, the, the province where raised most of the internally displaced people from fariab we used to have a project working out of there and we had to shut that one down too. We have an eye hospital in Kambahar but and we, we leave that one to look as much like an Afghan um, organic hospital as possible and now with what's happening in the country we're really glad that's happening um, so that's uh, and, and um, But we have a. We also. um, Second major strategy is one of acceptance. We live in the community. We get to know our neighbours, and we they they help to protect us as well.
0: Yeah. Anybody else?
3: Sure. Sorry.
2: Uh, um, I mentioned about. I was actually talking. Sorry, I didn't make that clear. It was the international Christians in the country. So there was about 50 expatriate Christians in Kabul. But then once Afghanistan became safe, um, just people flocked in, and there was a huge buzz, and and, and that did have a kingdom impact. But I am not a big a big fan of the numbers um that people talk about in Afghanistan um I think it's yeah God is moving and, he, and there definitely are people who are following and they have different strategies themselves yeah
1: if you'd like to talk with Ray and Kitty after do just stay while we pray for you is that all right Robin and Tom do you want to come out as well because we'll pray for you too is that okay are you, are you happy with that yeah yeah fine okay you want to come out and uh Let's pray, shall we? Lord our God, we pray for this family. And we pray that you would write the next phase in their life together. They've talked about obedience. They've talked about going and serving you. We thank you for all that you have done in them and for them and through them. Lord, we commend to you the people they've left behind the friends, the colleagues. Pray for your protection upon them. Pray that you would continue to work through them. Pray that the needs for financial skills and for leadership, that you'd raise up people to fill those gaps. And Lord, you have used them in Afghanistan, but thank you that your spirit works without us you are not reliant on us in that sense and would you continue the work there that you have begun through them and they've talked about hope and despair you are the god of resurrection you are the god who brings life where there is death and we pray for that nation uh, seemingly slipping back to where they were before we pray that you'd enable people to hold on to their faith in you and your steadfast love, that you'd give them the resources to be able to survive, that lessons learned in the last few years would not be forgotten, and that you'd have mercy on that land, we pray. May your kingdom come, not not Western rule, not Taliban rule, but your kingdom is what we long for and thirst for. We pray for the raising up of people of integrity, for an end to the culture of corruption. In your mercy, bring an end to the violence and restore peace. May peace talks, whatever level, background or basement, May words of peace prevail against weapons of war. We pray for believers there, for your protection upon them. We pray for those who fear reprisals because they have cooperated with Western forces. May we honour commitments made to them, we pray. And for Ray and Kitty and Robin and Tom, would you write the new script for them in this country? Sort out Education, adjusting to a new culture, finding new roles, discovering your will and purpose for them. As they were made welcome in Afghanistan by your people, may they sense a a welcome back here again. Enable them to adjust to a whole new way of life, reverse cultural adaptation. And may they know your presence, your guidance your provision, your steadfast love with each of them individually and as a family. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you. Fascinated to hear you talk about integral mission. That's a bit of a buzzword. Is that kind of holistic mission? Is that, yeah, yeah sort of. Yeah, here is a church we're hoping to adopt the, to follow the Tier Fund program, church and community mobilization. And that talks about integral mission. Didn't use that in our blurb because I didn't think people would know what it meant. But actually, it is about you know God caring for the whole of people and the whole of society. And that's very much on our heart. So good to hear that's been happening in Afghanistan. Bless you. Thank you. We're going to pick up our worship by going back to Psalm 86. Some words from there that are on the screen again. And again, we respond with the end of the psalm by saying the words in yellow. Teach me, Lord, what you want me to do. And I will obey you faithfully. Teach me to serve you with complete devotion. I will praise you with all my heart, O Lord my God. I will proclaim your greatness forever. How great is your constant love for me. You've saved me from the grave itself. But you, O Lord, are a merciful and loving God, always patient, always faithful and faithful. Amen. Let's stand and sing together our closing song. O my soul, arise and bless your maker.
0: Bless your Maker, for He is your Master and your Friend. Slow to wrong, but rich in tender mercy. Worship the Savior, Jesus. purchase me forever, Lord, and the cross of Jesus, and I will sing for all my days, of heaven's love come down, each breath I take will see his place until he calls me that he is strong. Though I fall, his love is there to lead on, saved on the rock of Jesus. Stir in me the songs that he
1: you are available to chat afterwards if you'd like to meet outside please rather than talking indoors that would be great uh, but there's a chance to converse with them more should you wish to do so but the lord bless and keep you let's share together in the words of the grace may the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with us all evermore amen
0: Thank you.